1: You're
2: watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
3: A close-up look at the sheer scale of destruction in Lahaina. The once vibrant and colorful community now almost nothing but gray ash and charred rubble. Popular Fleetwood's restaurant owned by Mick Fleetwood, among the hundreds of buildings lost. In the center of town though, there is one glimmer of hope. The historic banyan tree Badly burned, but still standing. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Maui is once again where we begin tonight, as the wildfire death toll now stands at 67 people. It's already one of the deadliest natural disasters in Hawaii's history. And officials are warning that number will likely grow as rescuers go house to house, searching for survivors in the devastated town of Lahaina. Aaron MacArthur has the latest.
2: It was life or death. The flames moving so fast, there was nowhere to run.
4: Somebody's
2: down
5: right here. Yeah, somebody's down. We cannot do nothing for her.
2: People were given seconds to decide what to do. A family of seven abandoned their car, taking refuge in the ocean.
5: We found a floating board that we hung out to. Everything we're, we're out
2: there floating, then there's a so of and everything was burning around, explosions,
6: cars blowing up.
2: The family, including young children, floated for hours with other groups of people until they were rescued. It was the ocean so all of a my kids away a few times. But yeah, we we, um, we we stuck together, we, really? we held on, and we, uh, we're not going to buy this way. The destruction in Lahaina is near total. Buildings reduced to ash. Nothing left but their foundation. At least 67 people are dead. Hundreds still are unaccounted for. The governor of Hawaii says the death toll will likely grow in the days to come as crews begin the search of buildings. Some residents returned Friday to find their homes gone. Some still looking for loved ones. This woman's father is among the missing.
7: I wanted to force him to come with me,
3: but he did. He was very hard-headed, and he didn't want to come.
2: Hawaii has one of the most extensive public siren systems in the world. Cars exploding. But there is no record of the horns sounding. Cell phone emergency alerts were sent out, but with large swaths of the island without power Wednesday, the message may not have been heard or seen by the people who needed it most. Oh my
8: God. This is our first time coming back and like actually knowing that our house burned down. We haven't really known anything for the last couple of days because there's no information coming through.
2: Thousands of people are crammed into emergency shelters. Most people escaping with nothing more than the clothes on their back.
9: They don't worry because I have a, a four-month-old and a two-year-old. Everybody lost everything.
2: The airport has become a makeshift shelter as well for tourists waiting to leave. Everyone in a state of shock
9: we couldn't see any structures of the buildings. It, got, it looked like a bomb went off. It's just complete
2: devastation. The federal government says so far nearly 500 Canadians have registered with global affairs. There are no reports of any Canadian fatalities. Aaron MacArthur Global News.
3: While well, more Canadians have arrived home from Maui, two flights landing earlier today at YVR. Passengers describe leaving a tragic and frightening situation. With little communication from authorities and food supplies running low,
0: we went walk by and uh, we saw that very big flame. Without it, without it's just something like normal because we had no news, like we were disconnected from the world, no cell, uh, no cell phone,
10: no power, nothing. Huge amount of smoke the night before, and you knew something awful had happened, and then you finally, finally were able to drive through town, and it's just. It's just flattened.
3: Three more flights are scheduled to arrive at YVR from Maui in the coming hours. Now to BC's wildfire situation, and there are signs of some improvement in the north. A campfire ban has been lifted in the Prince George and Northwest Fire Centers. Elsewhere, work continues to contain a series of challenging fires. An elite American crew called the Tahoe Hotshots is working on the Horse Thief Creek Fire northwest of Invermere. That one's been burning for a month. And today, the BC Wildfire Service implemented an area restriction order around the fire, barring everyone from the area who doesn't have authorization. Each year, it seems forest fires become a bigger threat to populated communities, and now Ottawa is spending $400,000 to teach urban firefighters how to fight wildfires near homes. The money will be used in B.C. and Alberta over the next two years. But as Cassidy Moscone reports, some are questioning why there isn't more funding available.
11: Living in nature is a luxury, but comes with danger on your doorstep. The threat of wildfires ever present in a climate that's heating up.
5: This year's already devastating season is not yet over. The effects of climate change are making the wildfire uh, seasons uh, in Canada longer and more unpredictable.
11: Where the forest meets the backyard is what firefighters call urban interface communities. They're all over the province and the federal government has announced a $400,000 cash injection to train firefighters to better protect them.
4: In an interface scenario, a wildfire can travel at tremendous speeds and cast embers hundreds of metres away. Protecting communities in these circumstances requires different strategies tactics and equipment.
11: The pilot program will train up to 300 firefighters across B.C. and Alberta.
5: Over two provinces? Not really. Yeah, I think it would have to be a bit more, but whatever they can do would always be appreciated. There
4: was a fire that broke out just a few kilometres from here the other day. I think it's important.
7: Right
11: now, according to the Emergency Preparedness Minister, there are 1,138 wildfires burning across the country. More than 800 of them are out of control. Approximately 13.4 million hectares has been burnt, almost double the previous peak. For communities living this close to nature, like here on the North Shore, this training will mean help is never too far away. Relying on out-of-town support can be too late. Phase two of the program will start next year. Cassidy Moscone, Global News.
3: With a heat wave on the way, there are questions tonight about the provincial government's program to give free air conditioners to vulnerable people. The goal is to hand out 3,000 units, but as Richard Zussman reports, so far only a few hundred have been installed.
0: It's a program designed to cool with demand red hot. And there clearly is a demand for these as we continue to uh, deliver these air conditioning units throughout the province. As temperatures are expected to soar this weekend, some people getting extra help. 3,000 British Columbians have applied for a free air conditioner provided by the province. BC Hydro approving 2,000 of those applications. But so far, just 360 of those units have been installed. An acknowledgement the air conditioners won't solve all the heat concerns.
8: It's also very important for us as a province to continue supporting communities and opening cooling centres as well.
0: While BC Hydro is administering the program, the province has set the criteria. The target are the most vulnerable, stemming from recommendations following more than 600 heat-related deaths during the 2021 heat dome. But it has
12: flaws. I've heard from many older people who have wanted to install air conditioners or heat pumps and haven't been able to get approval from their stratas
0: renters have even greater challenges first off they have to get permission from the landlord to even install an air conditioner and they have to have a BC Hydro account if utilities are covered They
12: likely don't have one. And that excludes the majority of people who actually need these air conditioning units. So I'm not surprised and I'm sure that lots of people are unable to complete the application or qualify to even get one of these units.
0: With warnings of this upcoming heat wave, temperatures on the south coast expect in the high 20s to low 30s. Temperatures in the interior soaring to the high 30s. Renter advocacy groups worrying about the flaws in the air conditioner program.
7: I have a lot of
6: concerns with the way that this program has uh, been rolled out. It seems quite haphazard in my view. Um, The uh, exclusionary criteria I think is quite big and quite unfair.
0: The goal is to ultimately provide 8,000 for units. But with the slow pace of rollout advocates suggest, the promise for cool air has been nothing but hot air from the province. Richard Osman Global News, Victoria.
3: All right. Let's find out more about this uh, coming heat. Meteorologist Christy Gordon
9: here with a look at just how hot it could get. Christy. Sophie, it's important to note, although the peak of the heat will likely be Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday for parts of the province, we're expecting temperatures into the 30s for areas away from the water from Sunday, potentially even Saturday right through Thursday. Here's a look at how hot it will get. So these are the peak numbers that we're expecting in the various areas. The coastal regions, will see it a little bit earlier, Tuesday, Wednesday, whereas interior regions likely Wednesday, Thursday for the peak of the heat. Overnight lows, this is the important part, Sophie, overnight lows only down to about 17 degrees and nights are longer right now than compared to the heat dome that we saw in 2021. So that allows more relief from that heat at night. Back to you.
3: All right, thanks, Christy. Well, there had been more than 37,000 calls made to Victoria Police from 19 shelters and parks over a three-year period. But peer advocates say those statistics don't paint the whole picture. Victoria City Councilor Stephen Hammond released that information this week following a Freedom of Information request. He says the data reinforces complaints that council has already heard from residents who live near shelters and encampments about various disturbances. But no calls to police are for crime. Some are for wellness checks or help. Outreach workers say many times people call police as a first resort when it should be the last.
4: I do think that those calls would go down if there was a different approach applied to the resources that we're trying to help people with.
11: I just think that things can get handled in a completely different way. Like my head partner had said, just being able to, you know, start building relationships with the people that are on the streets and being able to go and see what's going on before having to make that call. Nobody wants to right away
3: call the police, right? Hammond says he released the data so the public would also have the information. He says he's hoping to get more information from experts on whether hiring more security in areas with high call volumes would be beneficial for those neighborhoods. Well, time is running out for the downtown Eastside Market in its current location. A neighborhood fixture for years, the lease expires at the end of the month. As Kristen Robinson reports, with no viable alternatives, many are wondering how they're going to make ends meet. 50 bucks bucks.
8: for more than a decade it's been a place to barter for bargains and a lifeline for low-income vendors many living on disability who rely on these tables to supplement their incomes.
1: i have some speakers i have some phones the money that i get from the ministry is not quite enough to cater for my family so this market has
8: been A blessing to me. But the future of the downtown Eastside street market is uncertain. T
4: shirts, Pokemon cards. This market helps me quite a bit. Uh, If we don't have it, it's going to hurt not only me, but a lot of the other vendors as well.
8: The city of Vancouver's lease on the market's current East Hastings site expires at the end of August. In March, the city withdrew its development application to demolish a heritage building to create a temporary home for the market. And it says there are no publicly owned spaces available.
10: What we will likely see is a dispersion of these vendors across the neighborhood.
8: Since the Hastings decampment, the VPD has maintained a visible presence. The Binners project, which runs the market, says two vendors were attacked here in June Forcing a two-week closure, the market reopened with security, but police are still concerned about violence and stolen property. Cheers. Cheers. Just last week, we had tourists from out of town; uh, they had their car broken into, and our officers were able to track some of their uh, items back to the market. The VPD also says the market fuels shoplifting citywide.
10: I think that the market often gets scapegoated for that, and it's not to say that there aren't stolen goods that get vended potentially here as well as on the street. But I think the reality is is this market is far more supportive and and far more eyes on it than someone who is just setting up on a street corner.
8: That's where Williams says he may end up.
10: This market, if it's closed, is going to be devastating to me.
8: Vendors say it's safer to sell here than on the street where they're at risk of theft or having their goods confiscated. The city now looking to private property owners on the downtown east side as it searches for a new site. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
3: An alleged impaired driver at the wheel for a string of near misses on a busy B.C.
7: road. Oh my goodness, this car is actually just going ha- to get into a head-on collision.
3: The charges the driver is facing and reaction from witnesses in just over a minute. It's oh, so cute. Taking heat for this heart-shaped beach fire. Why people in Tofino are not amused. Later. Plus, new research that's out of step with the conventional wisdom of getting 10,000 steps. That's still to come tonight. Right now, though, drunk driving charges are being recommended after a driver was seen swerving in and out of traffic on Highway 99 on the busy holiday Monday. It happened midday and was captured on video by a couple following the driver, witnessing multiple close calls. Krista Dow has more on the frightening drive and how it all ended.
1: The best we could do was keep our distance and hope for a safe outcome.
7: This is the beginning of what would be a nail-biting 15-minute drive. I was literally thinking we are going to witness a death day. An apparent impaired driver unable to stay within the lane in a string of close calls along Highway 99. They just kept like swerving into oncoming traffic, they were all over the road, they were swerving to the side of the road and then back into the other lane. It happened on Monday of the long weekend near Lillooet just before 1 p.m. Rosalind Kent says she was heading south with her partner when they spotted a female driver behaving erratically, crossing double solid yellows and veering off the road. According to Kent, the driver at times going 80 to 100 kilometers an hour. In one instance, the woman nearly hits multiple cars Head on. Somehow it missed and the cars were managed to kind of move over as far as they could. Uh, But yeah, that was terrifying. The assumption was the driver was intoxicated because, I mean, I've never seen driving like that. Kent says they kept their distance but were unable to call 911 because there was no cell service in the area. The dangerous driving behavior ended when the driver left the road and landed in a ditch. The couple was able to flag down a passing ambulance. RCMP are recommending charges of impaired driving and driving above the legal limit. A 36-year-old woman from Kamloops was released from custody with a later court date. Drinking and driving is is terrifying. And obviously, like, we need to think twice before we get behind the wheel. Um, Like, it was a busy day and thank goodness no one was hurt. Kent hoping her TikTok video, which has more than 300,000 views, sends a sobering message about the dangers of drunk driving. Krista Dow, Global News. Up next, UBC students raising safety concerns.
0: A number of students were quite worried and quite stressed.
3: The changes to campus housing some fear could put them at risk. Also ahead, charges laid in a disturbing act of vandalism.
6: Busy over here for southbound traffic at the Lions Gate Bridge, especially out of West Vancouver where Taylor Way is back solid to Highway 1. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $55 million plus an estimated four max millions. Lotto max, streamed to the max. Trish Jewison in Global One at the Lions Gate Bridge.
3: UBC is facing growing backlash from students concerned about safety. The university has cut overnight staffing at residents' front desks, deploying a mobile team instead. But as Emily Lanzerton reports, students worry the loss of face-to-face contact could put them at risk.
6: A few weeks before thousands of students descend onto UBC, some are raising concerns about recent changes to staffing in student housing. I feel like our safety could be jeopardized residents front desk used to be staffed 24-7. Now if students need assistance overnight they will have to contact the university's mobile team. In an open letter posted to Reddit students are asking for desks to remain staffed day and night. They say it's critical for student
7: safety. We're very concerned about the possibility that like in the middle of winter somebody locks themselves out of their room And they can't contact their RA or they can't
12: find their RA and they have to go like searching around in the winter for one
7: of these like public blue phones. In person, it's like, it like makes the person feel a little safer, I guess.
5: Me personally, like it doesn't affect me that much. Like I can definitely understand why other people wouldn't find it not as safe.
6: Now there is a special number for residents to call between the hours of 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. if they need help. Now, in case they don't have a phone on them, they can go to one of 85 blue security phones on campus, press this red button, they will then be connected to campus security. In a statement, UBC says in part, we are confident that it will mean more reliable and sustainable 24-7 support for all our residents. We expect this new model to help us reduce absenteeism, retain current employees and attract new ones.
0: Quite sad to sort of see that staff retention is being prioritized over student health and uh, student well-being.
6: In past years, there have been several incidents of attacks and emergencies on campus and in dorms. In 2016, a student was attacked with a knife.
7: I'm still afraid to open a
6: door. She survived. In March the same year, a woman was sexually assaulted. Around that time, police on campus warned students about a string of late-night Prowler events.
8: Right away, started to attack Eve.
6: In 2019, a Good Samaritan was attacked when she tried to intervene in what police believe to be a domestic dispute. And in 2021, a woman was attacked while working at the
7: University Village H-Mart. On the more extreme end of things, like in an emergency situation, you don't want to be having to wait for help. The
6: Alma Mater Society says there are ongoing conversations between the student union and university. Emily Lazatin, Global News.
3: Charges have been laid in the vandalism of a cenotaph in Surrey. Surrey RCMP says 42-year-old Lukash Paprocki has been arrested in the March incident outside the Museum of Surrey. The kneeling soldier sculpture that sat atop the cenotaph was dismantled. Much to the disgust of members of the Cloverdale Legion, Paprocki has been released on conditions. His first court appearance is scheduled for September. Coming up, the lure of gang life.
2: Grade 7 was the first time I ended up joining a gang.
3: Why even young kids can get reeled in and the red flags parents should watch for. Also ahead, it turns out 10,000 steps a day may not be the path to a healthier life after all. What new research reveals?
6: delays over here for eastbound traffic tonight at the portman bridge that's because there's a stall eastbound at the west end in the right through lane today's lotto max jackpot is an estimated 55 million dollars plus an estimated four max millions lotto max dream to the max i'm truce you global one high above a stall at the portman bridge
3: well having an after-school job takes on a different meaning when it comes to gangs in bc Most drug dealers get their start in high school. Some are even recruited in the elementary grades. Darian Matasafung has more on what's hooking BC kids into a life of crime and what's being done to protect them from making those potentially fatal mistakes.
7: I wish I hadn't gotten into
1: it. No child is born a criminal. That is one of the mission statements of anti-gang programs in BC. You get manipulated, you get brainwashed, and you're like, oh, this stuff is really cool. This is easy money, right? It's easy fame, everyone's scared of you, nobody's gonna mess with me. And you just get into it, and once you're in, you're not out. This from a recent high school drug dealer in Surrey. We're calling him Steve, his identity protected over fears of gang retribution. It was the lure of fast money that got him into the gang life until the law caught up to him. I got arrested for something big and I like my pants, I was scared, right? After his arrest, Steve joined an anti-gang program, a desperate plea by his parents to save his life. Look at what they're doing compared to what I was doing. They're changing these lives, they're trying to help. Police say growing up in Surrey, young students can be exposed to drug dealing early that exposure coming from much closer to home with family and friends, also active gang members. I was sitting alone at home. I had these older friends that were like, yo, you're sitting alone at home, let's go chill. Let's go, let's go smoke some weed. Let's go do this, right? And let's go make a run. GANG EXPERT HILLARY MORDEN, WHO IS A PSYCHOLOGY AND CRIMINOLOGY PROFESSOR AT SFU, EXPLAINS GANGS HAVE BECOME SOPHISTICATED SOCIAL PROFILERS ON THE TYPE OF KIDS TO SELL TO AND RECRUIT.
9: IF YOUR FAMILY IS NO GOOD AND YOUR SCHOOL DIDN'T PICK UP THE SLACK AND NO OTHER ADULT GAVE A CRAP ABOUT YOU, BEING WELCOMED INTO THE GANG FEELS PRETTY DAMN GOOD. It's
1: a strategy Stanley Price knows all too well. The ex-gang member dealt drugs and sold guns in the downtown east side for 15 years.
0: The glorification of you know the money and the power, I think, was kind of the leading factor. It was huge acceptance. You know, I spent most of my life looking for
5: acceptance
1: criminal organizations purposely targeting kids who don't yet understand the consequences of their actions. Mix in some cash, jewelry, girls, drugs, guns, and fast cars, it's hook, line, drug dealer. Jane Knox, a former United Nations gang member, is now a speaker with Kids Play. His initiation started in elementary school.
2: Grade seven was the first time I ended up joining a gang. Uh, I was 12 years old and I ended up getting brought down to the downtown east side and I ended up starting selling drugs and got introduced to the UN guys. According to police, anti-gang programs
1: like Kids Play and End Gang Life are working to curb the BC gang conflict, but that's only half of the equation. It helps parents and guardians know what to look for when their kids are turning into criminals. These red flags include unexplained cash, entering and leaving the home at strange hours, social disengagement, unknown older friends, and Ziploc baggies and drug paraphernalia. It's no secret that much of anti-gang police work is reactive, education and awareness are the only proactive approaches they have. We've had many, many conversations with parents who admit to us that they don't want to call the police on their child. The hardest sell, telling parents it's better to turn over their children into the hands of law enforcement than have them forever in the grip of death. We have officers in my gang intervention and exiting team that will come really low key to the goal to, to have someone want to get out of this lifestyle and will help you. For Steve, his involvement in the anti-gang program has given him a sense of redemption. I want to seek that help to help other younger people realize that no, it's not cool, it's, it's not good for you because you're not going to make it past 20. The very real difference between potentially saving a life and the inevitable likelihood of having to take one or losing your own. Darian matassa Global News.
3: And we have enhanced coverage of our gang series online. Go to globalnews.ca slash bc, where you can see all of the stories and read in-depth articles. Well, for years, 10,000 steps a day has been promoted as a goal for everyone to stay healthy and fit. But two new studies have found you can get the same result with less walking. European researchers analyzed walking data from more than 220,000 people around the world. They found taking 4,000 steps a day will start to improve your health outcomes, while 2,300 steps per day is enough to benefit the heart and blood vessels. According to the World Health Organization, a sedentary lifestyle is blamed for 3.2 million deaths each year making it the fourth-leading cause of death worldwide. Up next, an attempt at romance sparks outrage instead.
5: Even right now, even a camp is dangerous.
3: How this burning heart on a Tofino beach has backfired. Plus, meet the new Canuck. Why the team hopes their new signing will fill a void at Centre Ice.
5: All the latest news
2: all the latest updates get it first good evening and thanks for joining us get it at 11 global news at 11.
3: a TikTok video shot at a popular tofino beach has gone viral for all the wrong reasons the video shows a couple lighting a heart-shaped fire during severe drought and a fire ban And instead of sparking romance, as Kylie Stanton reports, it has
12: sparked outrage. Tofino is where tourists usually come and learn to serve. But a recent social media stunt has caught one couple in a wave of criticism. I was appalled. <laughs> oh, so cute. This video, first posted to Ashley Smith's TikTok account, shows a couple on Chesterman Beach with a caption that reads, he wanted to do something cute to show how much he loves me. And then he did this, when the heart-shaped paper towel soaked in gasoline is ignited, the flames spread. I gotta kick it out. (laughs) But things were only just heating up.
2: You're listening to Tough City Radio? for. Phone
12: calls started flooding the local radio station, the community expressing their outrage.
2: This particular thing, because of the nature of it, and how it actually affected nature really upset a lot of people.
11: Poor timing, poor judgment, tone deaf. It's a bit irresponsible. I think we all have to be careful. And I think it's quite entitled, to
12: be honest. Not to mention, incredibly dangerous. Tofino is facing level three drought conditions and under a total fire ban. On top of that, it's been dealing with more than two months of ongoing road closures along Highway 4 after the Cameron Bluffs wildfire ripped through the area, destabilizing the slope. How can anyone think this is okay? BC Wildfire Service confirmed it is aware of this latest incident, taking the opportunity to remind everyone to be careful.
5: No open fires whatsoever. Think about if there's a potential to start a fire. Any heat source in the coming week it's going to have that potential.
12: The couple couldn't take the heat. Smeeth did not respond to our request for comment and the video has since been deleted from her account with more than 21,000 followers. Instead, what strong. appears to be an apology video has been posted to her partner's account, captioning, we just wanted to make a cute video. To show our love. This is not cute. It looks like it's going to take more than that to win the hearts of those who call Tofino home. If you're going to call yourself an influencer, if there's a chance someone's going to repeat it, that consequence is on you. Kelly Stanton, Global News.
3: Yeah, bad time to be lighting fires. Uh, Let's bring in Christy Gordon now with a look at our weather forecast because we, you know, have no rain in sight, Christy, and uh, higher temperatures on the way. That's
9: right. So uh, heat wave on the way, Sophie, and we'll talk about how hot it will be at night, but I wanted to tell you about a second heat wave that we're concerned about this one is in the ocean the Pacific Ocean so over the last month we've actually started to see a marine heat wave make its way towards the BC coast now scientists are going to be tracking for the potential for alga blooms as well as uh, impact on fish the good news is this heat wave is not as extensive or as deep as the blob that we saw back in 2014 and 2015 as well as scientists are not expecting it to last as long but it's certainly something we'll be tracking to see how it impacts the ocean life that's for sure all right now back to our uh, heat wave this is the trend we're expecting so for coastal regions areas away from the water and people have always asked me what does that mean it means for areas sorry for the training room but it means for areas like surrey Langley, out through the east uh, metro vancouver region basically anywhere away from the water you could see low to mid 30s over the next uh, five days starting on sunday and for those of you in the interior as well. We're in the low to mid-30s, high 30s in some areas. Now we're going to see that strengthen as we head throughout our Saturday. The real peak of the heat starting Sunday and lasting through uh, Thursday. In the meantime, the overnight lows, that's always a big concern. We have longer nights expected or we have longer nights at this time. So when this uh, heat wave is set to shift in, we're talking about greater potential for cooling at night. So could see overnight lows down to about 17 degrees That's on the verge for uncomfortable for sleeping and tough for people to be able to lose that heat from the daytime. So we'll be watching that closely. In the meantime, right now, we have no heat warnings in effect. Sophie, this is tonight's central windows, weather window, which is stunning. It comes to you from just outside of Cranbrook, uh, where this is a view of the steeples, part of the southern Canadian Rockies. Evie sharing that gorgeous sunset shot. Back to you.
3: Better run if you're going to make that train, Christy. (laughs) It goes too fast, Sophie. I've got a job to do. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Great timing. All right. Uh, Squire is here with a look ahead to sports. Squire? Yes,
4: we have Canucks news despite a heat wave of coming. Of
3: course we do in it, August.
4: It took a while, but the Canucks signed former Red Wings forward Puce Suter today to a two-year deal worth $1.6 million a year.
10: You know, the uh, Canucks always showed interest right from the beginning. Uh, you know, I could tell they kind of did the homework on me. And the
4: homework showed that Souter is a very good penalty killer, something that the Canucks have been trying to upgrade all during the off season.
3: Also ahead tonight. like bro? <laughs> Satellite debris. Squire has your Friday favorite.
10: It's
4: a brownish-purple? It's
3: a brownish-purple. Puce is a brownish-purple color.
4: But this is a first name. He doesn't
3: look brownish-purple.
4: No. He's a Swiss hockey player, and now he's a <laughs> Vancouver Canucks. It's not pious, he's Puce.
3: It's spelled differently from the color Puce.
4: P-I-U-S. What's, I don't know what the spelling is on that. But uh, anyway, let's begin. <laughs> The Vancouver Canucks have spent a lot of this summer getting players that will help them stop goals rather than score goals. And today they added to that by signing former Red Wing and Blackhawk forward Pew Suter to a two-year contract. It's a pretty reasonable amount, $1.6 million a year. But if Tanner Pearson returns to the Canucks, if he's better and he can play, then Vancouver would have to make moves to get underneath the salary cap. But as of the moment, they're okay. Suter will uh, certainly be a guy who should get lots of penalty killing time. I think the Vancouver Canucks would like to use their stars like Pedersen a little bit less in the penalty kill this coming season. Even though Pedersen is good at penalty killing, he might want a breather once in a while. Suter is definitely a versatile forward who can score a little bit.
2: Lindster, up to first.
4: Pew
5: Suter showed the Canucks last year that he really can do it all. He had 14 goals, which has been his yearly average in three NHL seasons. He kills penalties and is responsible defensively. The native of Switzerland is truly a Swiss Army knife.
10: I can play any of the three positions I had in the past. Uh, all three of them, in the, sometimes in the same game. So uh, we'll see after you know how it goes, and I just got to show. Uh, what I, what I can bring to the table that during training camp. Look
2: at this, Suter's got it! Suter in alone! Scores! A shorthanded goal!
5: Suter will also help the penalty kill. He had two short-handed goals last season, and his all-around game just gives Rick Tockett more options. Being from Switzerland, it makes sense that he would be solid in the neutral zone. Not getting caught defensively, which is another trait the Canucks are looking for.
10: Always been part of my game. I always try, especially when I was younger, to try to get into teams, try to get more ice time to be reliable on the on the other defensive side to get some extra shifts in to show more what you can do. And so I always had a focus on that as well.
5: Suter will try to help the Canucks make the playoffs, something he has not experienced in his three NHL seasons with the Blackhawks and Red Wings. But he should add depth. He is a definite upgrade for this team up front.
10: You know, the uh, Canucks always showed interest right from the beginning, Uh, you know, I could tell they kind of did the homework on me and uh, at the end that's what uh, excites me about the most, they kind of know what I am as a player and uh, excited to get started.
4: Well, the BC Lions have Calgary tomorrow at BC Place, 4 o'clock start. Both of these teams are coming off shocking results last week. Calgary's was a good shock. They became the first team to beat Toronto this season. The Lions, of course, was a devastating shock, that huge loss to Winnipeg. But Rick Campbell thinks that kind of a loss, as long as it doesn't come in, say, the playoffs, can help during a regular season.
5: If somebody, if it lights a fire on someone or... Uh Um, causes people to refocus then then I'm all for it. I told him we're playing a stretch it's actually five games in a row against the West but we're playing the four West teams all in a row right here and I said we're gonna get everybody's best shot it's a tough to tough to you know people are chasing us other than Winnipeg.
4: The St. Jude started the uh, FedEx PGA playoffs and Adam Hadwin yesterday was Adam Svensson today Adam Hadwin had a good round Close to to the top of the leaderboard, and then on the 18th hole, he puts it in the water, and this is for bogey, and even this doesn't go in, so double bogey. Anyway, he's tied for eighth at minus seven. Uh, Sensen tied for 18th at minus five. Nick Taylor tied for 46th at minus one. Lucas Glover is the leader. This is Women's World Cup action, Sweden and Japan. And Sweden beat Japan 2-1, so they are off to the semifinals. So there will be a first-time winner this year because Japan was the only team left that had won this before. And Sweden is going to play Spain in the semifinals. The Spanish were tied 1-1 against the Netherlands. In extra time, Selma Periuelo scores the winner. So it'll be Spain and Sweden in one semifinal. The other two quarterfinals are tomorrow. Australia, France, England, and Colombia. There you go.
3: Well done. Don't go away because Satellite 3 is next.
4: That's true, it is. I'll stay right here.
3: Jordan Armstrong here now with a look ahead to global news at 11 tonight. Jordan?
2: Sophie, British Columbians love their food trucks, but tonight you'll hear why there are bleak predictions for the future of the local food truck scene. Inflation, rising interest rates are a couple of the factors, but there's something else food truck operators say is making it extremely tough to stay in business local government red tape what they say needs to change in order for them to survive. That story tonight on Global News at 11. Sophie?
3: All right, thanks for that, Jordan. Okay, gang, it's Friday, so that means satellite debris.
4: Yes, it does. Is that train still around, uh, Sophie? Christy. Christy, Sophie, (laughs) anybody? Okay, it's gone. One
3: of you two, the trains left the station. The train left the
4: station. I think that engineer was just doing that (laughs) to mess us up. Okay, so the first two are from VW, and the first one has a bit of a scary monster. So hide the children's eyes. There you go. I think it was a plastic cup. Oh, okay. Okay. So this one is for a mattress company. You don't really think about that when you watch this, but it's for a mattress company. Focus, Pocus by Focus, that was the song he was singing. All okay.
0: right.
1: It's true. Uh,
4: okay, last two, one for Ameritrade and one for the people from Mountain Dew. Here we go.
2: Job for the lowest mortgage rate and chose Amerisave, a choice he'll never regret. Unlike his permanent perm from using Perm Plus, a shampoo he invented and spent a small fortune marketing, which also attracts cats. Lots and lots of cats. But now Mike's working with Amerisave and will be saving a ton of money for years to come. Though his life as an involuntary cat lady man will haunt him forever. Visit Amerisave.com now. Lower mortgage rates mean higher savings.
4: Don't it make you feel like
3: dancing? I mean, I was yeah. chair dancing, and you know how much I enjoy animals that do non-animal things.
4: Yes, like the rooster mm. who sang Hocus Pocus by Focus.
3: Exactly, but that rooster was, is that like claymation or something? or
4: Some sort of artistic thing that I can't do myself. Right,
3: okay, well thank right. you very much. Sweetheart. So it wasn't real, so. Mm-hmm. It wasn't real. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Christy, uh, we got a weekend ahead of us, but a uh, hot one, too.
9: Yeah, absolutely. So by the end of the weekend, certainly we'll be at about 32 away from the water. And then it looks like that low 30s will last for areas away from the water Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, potentially Thursday before they start to come down. So it's definitely a long stretch of weather. Again, hopefully we'll get some relief from that heat at night. Lows down to about 17. That's sort of on the verge for too hot, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Thanks very much.
3: Stay cool, everyone. Have a great weekend.